0: Welcome to Chip Chat, an interview series that connects you with technology experts around the issues that industry is focused on today. And now your host, Allison Klein. Welcome to Chip Chat. My name is Allison Klein, and today I'm delighted to have Lisa Spellman, Corporate Vice President of Intel Xeon and Memory Group, back in the studio with us. Welcome, Lisa. Hi, Allison. Thanks for having me again. It's always exciting when you show up because I know that you're coming with news about our silicon portfolio. So let's just get right to it. Why don't you give some perspective on where we're at in terms of a company, in terms of releasing the silicon to the market, and what is the core thrust of the products that we're talking about today? You know,
1: it's true. I'm starting to feel like you only invite me if I'm launching new silicon. We should talk about this. It's the ticket to entry. (laughs) Maybe someday I'll be able to come and just chat. But as you know, and you've been along this journey with us, as we have been continuing to grow and evolve our portfolio that is really focused on how our customers are able to better move, store, and process all of the data that they are generating through the services that they provide, the customers that they serve, their own internal operations, and just how they're fundamentally using that data to make better decisions and drive more opportunities, more capabilities, new use cases, and new exciting things for users. And so, when you look at what we've been doing with that portfolio and the way we keep augmenting it and you see how much of the world's data movement it is addressing all the way from the edge down to those milliwatts up to the cloud and the super high performance computing we just really continue to evolve the portfolio and add new products in that grow the capabilities make life easier for our customers so You know, the big one that we're talking about today is the third generation of the Xeon Scalable Processor. And we're bringing a lot of new capabilities into that. And then we're also adding in new additional silicon components in that portfolio that surround it.
0: As you look at the possibilities here, obviously, the thing that comes to the forefront for me is the third generation Xeon Scalable Processor, formerly codenamed Cooper Lake. Tell me about this processor and how it fits within the broader strategy for Xeon Scalable.
1: So this is the first of our third generation Intel Xeon Scalable processors, and it joins the family with a big focus on delivering built-in AI acceleration. So we're continuing to build on a multi-generation of capabilities that we add to the portfolio. We're also updating our persistent memory products, the Optane memory products that pair with the third generation Xeon Scalable. And we have the Intel platform family that continues to grow and give our customers the ability to scale their workloads from one socket, whether that goes all the way up to eight sockets, and really deliver across this huge variety of workloads. I talked a little bit about this built-in AI acceleration. And if you look at what we've done here in the third generation, we've added into the family's capabilities. So a lot of you remember that in our first generation, we had AVX 512 for acceleration and improvement in high-performance computing workloads. In the second generation, we introduced our DL Boost family of features. And the first one was VNNI, the vector neural network extensions that improved inference performance dramatically. And then in this generation, we get into adding what's called BFLOAT 16, which improves not only inference, but also the training performance of the Xeon scalable processors, which makes it just this really powerful foundation for your artificial intelligence across a variety of different workloads. In addition, our focus here with the third generation is on the four and eight socket type of configurations to drive those AI-infused, data-intensive digital services. So we have got 28 cores per socket, up to 224 cores and an eight socket configuration. For traditional four socket workloads with the increased memory speeds and the capability that we've put into the platform, we're seeing... You can get more than double the virtual machines and almost double the increase in database transactions per minute compared to a refresh platform that is most likely what's going to be replaced. So we're thinking like a four to five year old platform that it's time to move into you know the next generation and keep up with all of the change that's happened in the technology world in the last four to five years.
0: So that is an incredibly powerful system scaling up to eight processors and delivering these types of capabilities to market, one thing that you said that interested me the most is that you said that this is the first third-generation Xeon Scalable. Are there others, and what are they?
1: Our 10-nanometer Ice Lake processors will also be a proud member of the third-generation Xeon Scalable family for the one- and the two-socket systems, and we're planning to start shipments on those products later this year. So as long as we're talking about what's coming next, I'll also just share that our next generation after Ice Lake, which is codenamed Sapphire Rapids, for those of you that follow us more closely, powered on a few weeks ago. And I just want to use the moment to shout out to the global team that really pushed through tremendous obstacles that we're all facing with the COVID-19 pandemic, all of the changes to the way that we're getting work done. And they did an amazing job keeping that on schedule and with high quality. And so we're looking forward to shipping that next generation Sapphire Rapids in 2021. That's fantastic. Now,
0: one of the new features on Cooper Lake, let's go back to Cooper Lake, is BFLOAT 16 support. Why is BFLOAT 16 critical in terms of adding To the portfolio of AI acceleration built into the Xeon product line and why is this important to customers?
1: So it's the first general purpose CPU that has built-in bFloat16 instructions. I walked you through a little bit about that continued evolution of AI capability that we're putting in but let's take a second and just explain what it actually means to have bFloat16. So It's a compact numeric format that uses half the bits as today's FP32 format. So 32, 16, what that means and, you know, how is it used terms is that it achieves comparable model accuracy with minimal software changes. So you're able to keep generally the same levels of accuracy. So you're within... A small enough distance that you're still getting the accuracy you need for your results, but you're able to achieve that again without having to do a bunch of software work and able to increase your throughput. So think of it as almost like adding capacity there. So, you know, if you think of being able to do two instructions per cycle with bFloat compared to one instruction per cycle with FP32, you can see how that leads to an acceleration in the results that you're getting. So how this kind of turns out in the actual product is when you compare it to the previous generation in training, you get up to a 93% improvement on image processing if you look at it in inference compared to again the prior generation, you see improvements up to ninety percent on language processing using B float sixteen. And that's again on top of all of the inference performance speed ups you got from the addition of the first generation of the DL boost technology.
0: Now that was all good and fine, but put this into terms that I can understand in terms of what it actually means. From an application standpoint, and how are AI developers using this math to deliver results faster? Okay, so
1: I'm going to use an analogy that I think kind of works to help illustrate this, and then you'll get my pun once I finish here when I said illustrate this. So if you think of this as a group of instruction sets playing a game of Pictionary. So for those of you that don't know, Pictionary, the drawing game where you have to draw something and then your teammates have to guess what you're drawing. And the first one to get it right gets to roll again. So if you think of the N 8 numerical format, and it's a lower precision type of use case. And so they're drawing and they've got a blob of a body, a blob of a head, Four sticks, legs, and a tail. So it's super fast. They're the first one done. But with that lack of detail, you may end up with some wrong guesses. So you've got someone that's guessing. Maybe it's a cat. Maybe it's a deer. Maybe it's a horse. Maybe it's a cow. Maybe it's any four-legged animal. Maybe it's someone crawling. FP-32 painstakingly draws a perfect, majestically posed Labrador retriever. It's photorealistic. The detail is amazing, and their team is going to get it right just about every single time. But they are so slow. The team sitting there waiting and waiting, and others are already guessing. If you think of B-float 16 as in between those two alternatives, they've more quickly drawn that body, the face and the four legs, but they were able to add a tail and some ears. So it's not the super detailed drawing of the FP32, but it has higher fidelity and clarity than what you would see from an int eight type of drawing. So you're able to get the accuracy of the guess without taking the time to get the fully drawn picture. Now, This is a great advancement. This is a third
0: generation of processors where we've delivered these types of advancements, starting with AVX 512, then we added ENNI under the DL Boost umbrella, now Bflow. Where are we going next in terms of the capabilities here?
1: So, like I said, we're excited to bring Bfloat to market, make it more mainstream, widely deployable. We're doing the you know, software work to keep all of the toolkits, frameworks, tool chains, everything ready and able to go for Xeon. So great work by our software teams. But, of course, we're already thinking about what would come next. And so as we continue to see artificial intelligence permeating really every workload, so it's being built into the application layer, it's being built into the orchestration layer, we have so many of our customers investing in artificial intelligence to improve their business results. We see it as one of the truly definitional workloads for the next decade and see high value in continuing to do the work to bring that acceleration to our customers. So in Sapphire Rapids, we're planning another artificial intelligence acceleration feature called AMX, which essentially increases the number of matrix multiplications you can do per clock cycle. And we're gonna keep investing to make that Xeon CPU the foundational baseline for AI going forward.
0: Obviously the third generation of Xeon scalable processors with Cooper Lake variations is not the only news that you delivered today. Tell me a little bit about what you delivered in terms of AI acceleration from a discrete
1: accelerator perspective. Sure. It was exciting to also be able to share some of the news in our FPGA family of products. So the Intel Stratix 10NX, which has a codename of Primero Springs, is Intel's first artificial intelligence optimized FPGA for that high bandwidth and low latency artificial intelligence acceleration. So it's really designed and focused for those high throughput AI systems that have large models and that need to scale across multiple nodes. So you can think of applications like natural language processing, fraud detection, and again, those that benefit from that really low latency that FPGAs can bring to artificial intelligence problems. The team optimized the baseline Stratix 10 for AI acceleration by integrating high bandwidth memory, accelerated matrix and vector units, and high throughput Intel Ethernet. So this gives customers a lot of flexibility to use those foundational characteristics of the FPGA and program it specifically for their AI challenges. We're anticipating up to 15x more AI performance using Int8 on Primero Springs compared to today's Stratix 10 MX FPGA. It's powerful to have this AI acceleration choice and to have it in hardware that can be continually reconfigured and optimized at the hardware level as AI models change and scale. We're really excited about being able to bring this type of flexibility to our customers and we're expecting it to be available later this year. It's
0: always exciting to see what we're doing in terms of the advancement of our FPGA portfolio And I would be remiss by not asking you, you know, I know that Intel's vision is moving, storing, and processing the world's data. What are we doing in terms of data movement and storage in this announcement?
1: You know, we continue to invest and grow across the entirety of the portfolio, and when you think of AI and analytics as workloads, there's no better example of demanding workloads that require rapid read and write access, that need access to large amounts of stored data, and ideally benefit from having that data just on hand and utilizing all flash arrays. So Our Intel Optane SSDs are ideal for this low latency caching tier and using our 3D NAND SSDs provides capacity for that volume storage tier that our customers are working between the two of them. So today we did announce two new Intel 3D NAND SSDs, the Intel D7P55 and 5600 drives that use our latest triple level cell technology and all new NVMe controllers. The new drives deliver 33% more performance than our prior generation did. And they really do show up as very additive for those intense workloads, like I was talking about, for AI and analytics in the data center and at the edge. So we started shipping these products to select OEMs already.
0: Yeah, you've talked about Cooper Lake, and it's a fantastic processor with incredible scaling. Tell me about the platform and what we've delivered in companionship with this processor.
1: This is our opportunity to bring to the world the second generation of our Intel Optane Persistent Memory. And it's a revolutionary product, and we are really thrilled to be bringing it out to market and continue to advance the capabilities that our customers are looking for. So what we're offering is up to 4.5 terabytes of memory per CPU socket, which is 18 terabytes in a 4-socket configuration. That's a lot of data. And compared to the first generation, the 200 series delivers an average of 25% higher memory bandwidth for even more performance. And just that reminder, unlike conventional DRAM, Intel Optane Persistent Memory retains its data even if power is unexpectedly lost. And it can provide over 225x faster CPU access to persistent data than reading from a mainstream NAND SSD would. So it really fits in nicely between that storage and memory tier and allows for that application persistence that hasn't been possible up until now. We're really excited about some of the companies that have started using Optane Persistent Memory, including Fidu, Verizon Media, Siemens AG, Argonne National Labs. And we have over 300 Intel Optane Memory proof of concepts that we've been working through and converting from proof of concept to volume And we're really sitting right now at about an 85% conversion rate, which speaks to how much value people are getting from the solution and the capability once they have a chance to try it in their data center.
0: Now, obviously, these products don't materialize into value with customers until we work on software and solutions to enable real workloads to be deployed that are fully optimized and pre-verified. What is Intel doing in that space and what are you excited to talk about
1: today? You know, I've probably spent too much time already talking about the hardware side and I still have more to say, but the software investments that Intel is making are equal size and equal effort and equal importance to our customers. So we need that software work applied on top of the hardware in order to pull through all of the performance and capabilities that are actually already built in. So I already mentioned how we're enabling bFloat 16 and making sure that we're getting the right frameworks updated and staying on top of the math kernel libraries. And we're working with leading cloud service providers like Alibaba and Tencent in order to drive this work and get that adoption. For Optane Persistent Memory, we've enabled support and new capabilities with software leaders like SAP, Oracle, VMware, Microsoft, SaaS, and others. And the super exciting thing that we've seen since our first generation of Optane Persistent Memory is that entirely new software companies are springing up around this persistent memory capability. I said a year ago, that unleashing the capability on the industry was going to be one of the most exciting things that we did. We're smart at Intel, but there are so many smart people out in the world. So we had ideas about how our products would get used. But what's really cool is seeing the likes of Formulus Black and Memverge come up and really create the foundation of their company based on what they've learned is possible now that Optane Persistent Memory is available to them. We've also launched the long-term support version of the Intel distribution of OpenVINO. The OpenVINO has become, in a short span of time, one of the most deployed toolkits for visual processing and inference with adoption up 7x year over year. And it's open source, it's out there, and it's getting used, again, from those edge use cases and workloads. What the extended life means is that some developers want all the latest updates and newest features the day that they come out, and we will continue to give them that. But others value code consistency and stability over time. So the long-term support version supports that. The releases are only changed for critical updates and bug fixes, and they have that stability for a period of a year, and then security patches come every two years, which enables developers to leverage a really stable code base and minimize changes for their customers. So it's just another way We're looking at different types of customers and their different requirements and responding to them, not only at the hardware level, but at the software level where they really more interact with our products.
0: Thank you so much for your time today, Lisa. It's been a real pleasure. We'd love to have you back again when you're not launching a product to tell us more. (laughs) I'm not
1: sure about that, but we'll see. Thanks for having me, Alison. It's always great to have a chance to talk about the portfolio with you.